Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it's really helping you grow in the Lord. But I just wanted to take a second just to talk about this great tool that I've been using to bring the Word of God to people. Anchor is a tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and a lot more. So it's really been helping me reach people that I can't go to their house and actually teach them a Bible study. So it's everything you need in the podcast in one place. The best of all, Anchor, and it's totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. How is everybody doing today? I hope God is blessing you as much as he's been blessing my life because it is a good God that we serve. And today we're going to be doing another Bible study and it is life more abundantly. And I'm I'm excited to do this Bible study because God is a God who blesses our life. And this Bible study is going to show us how when we obey God's word, he blesses our lives And we can have a rich and fulfilled life simply by honoring God and obeying his word. So let's crack into the Bible and let's see where we go. First, we're going to start off in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 11. But that is the time to be careful. What is the time to be careful? This is right after they have entered into the promised land and he's telling them about how they're going to have everything that they could ever want and that God's going to take care of them. And he says, now that's the time to be careful. Beware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I am giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and have built fine homes to live in, fine, rich homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and your gold have multiplied along with everything else. Be careful. So this is the promise. God promised them that they would have fine homes to live in and flocks and herds and that silver and gold would multiply along with everything. This is what God's promising his people. But he tells them to be careful. He says, do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God who rescued you from slavery in the land of Egypt. Do not forget that he led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, where it is so hot and dry. He gave you water from the rock. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. He did this to humble you and to test you for your own good. He did all this so you would never say to yourself, I have achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. Remember the Lord your God. He is the one who gives you power to become successful. In order to fulfill the covenant, he confirmed with your ancestors with an oath. So he's talking about the covenant that we have become a part of as believers. And I assure you of this. If you ever forget the Lord your God and fellow other gods, worshiping and bowing down to them, you will certainly be destroyed. Just as the Lord has destroyed other nations in your path, you also will be destroyed if you refuse to obey the Lord 
your God. So now this is a subject that I've wrestled with for a while. It seems like one of the devil's tricks is to convince people that bad people don't get punished and that good people don't get blessed. But I'm going to show you some passages in this Bible that clearly contradict that. God says if you obey his word, he will bless you. That your money and your land and your house will, will prosper. I know people are like, well, the prosperity message. Well, the Bible still says what it says. So I, I don't know. I, I know people don't like to hear it, but this is what the word of God says. And today you're tuning into this podcast. You came here to hear the word of God. So that's what we're going to do. So let's keep going in Deuteronomy. Let's go to chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the world. You will experience all the blessings if you obey the Lord your God. So here's another part of the covenant that God made with the people of Israel. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. The Lord will guarantee a blessing on everything you do and will fill your storehouses with grain. The Lord your God will bless you in the land he is giving you. If you obey the commands of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, the Lord will establish you as his holy people as he swore he would do. Then all the nations of the world will see that you are a people claimed by the Lord, and they will stand in awe of you. The Lord will give you prosperity in the land he swore to your ancestors to give you, blessing you with many children, numerous livestock, and abundant crops. The Lord will send rain at the proper time from his rich treasury in heaven and will bless all the work you do. You will lend to many nations, but you will never need to borrow from them. If you listen to these commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, and if you carefully obey them, the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you will always be on top and never at the bottom. You must not turn away from any of the commands I am giving you today, nor follow after other gods and worship them. So these are the commands that God has given us. Now, I've covered the commandments of God, and I've covered love your neighbor and love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And those are the commands that God's talking about. If we live in love and follow God's ways, these are the blessings that was promised to us, to the inheritors of Abraham's covenant. But let's go on here to, chat, to verse 15. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come upon and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Everywhere you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you crisis 
confusion and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed for doing evil and abandoning me. The Lord will afflict you with disease until none of you are left in the land you are about to enter and occupy. The Lord will strike you with wasting disease, fever, and inflammation, with scorching heat and drought, and with blight and mildew. These disasters will pursue you until you die. Now, I'm not going to go on here, but there's another chapter and a half that he just tells you what all the curses are of the people who don't obey God. And I'm not focusing on that today because I'm focusing on us believers. If you're listening to this podcast, you have a relationship with God and you know him. So I'm showing you the promises that God has for his people. So we're going to focus on the good in this Bible study. So, and I'm not even really going to focus on how we're to obey God and how we're to follow God. I've covered that in some of our past podcasts, and I'm sure I'll go through it some more. But today, I just want us believers to be able to focus on the promise that God has for us. So now we're going to continue to Deuteronomy 30 because some people are thinking right now, well, what if I've messed up and I've left the faith and I'm not living like I should and I'm not living like I'm supposed to? Well, Deuteronomy 30, starting in verse 1. In the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, take to heart all these instructions. If at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all your heart and with all your soul all the commandments I have given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. Wow, that's awesome, guys. He will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations where he scattered you. Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. So it doesn't matter how far you go, God will bring you back. The Lord your God will return you to the land that belonged to your ancestors, and you will possess that land again. Then he will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will change your heart. Oh, that's awesome. And the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul so you may live. The Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate and persecute you. And you will again obey the Lord and keep all his commandments that I am giving you today. The Lord your God will then make you successful in everything you do. He will give you many children and numerous livestock, and he will cause your fields to produce abundant harvests. For the Lord will again delight in doing good to you, as he was to your ancestors. The Lord your God will delight in you if you obey his voice and keep the commands and decrees written in the book of instruction. And if you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and soul. Wow, that is so powerful. So if we decide to turn to the Lord, he will bless our life. I don't think he could have put it any clearer than that. 
It even says here that God will cause disease and drought and calamity to come on those who don't follow his laws and obey his word. So that's what the Bible clearly says here. If you obey God, you'll have a good life. If you don't, you won't. So if we see these things in our life, like disease and chaos and drought, like this could be a sign to us that maybe we're not living according to this book. Maybe we're not following the instructions of the word of God. Is it just blind coincidence and luck? I don't think so. That's not what the Bible says. Let's go to 1 Samuel 2, verse 6. The Lord gives both death and life. He brings some down to the grave, but raises others up. So both death and life come from God, according to the Bible. If we live a long, prosperous life, it's because of God. If we die at a young age, it's because of God. But he has that choice and that right. The Lord makes some poor and others rich. He brings some down and he lifts others up. He lifts the poor from the dust and the needy from the garbage dump. He sets them among princes and places them in seats of honor. For all the earth is the Lord's and he has set the world in order. That's why you hear people talking about a new world order. That's because God's still keeping order in the earth today. They would have to create a new world order to get God out of it. Because as of right now, God is the one who's in control. And I know some people don't like that fact, but that's the truth. If, if you've prospered, it's because of God. If you haven't, it's because of God. But no matter what, Satan doesn't have any power. He's not giving me money. He's not giving, he's not giving witches money. That doesn't come from him. He may claim that he's the one helping him prosper, but he doesn't. It says here in the Bible, God is the one who causes everyone to prosper and gives both life and death. So if that is the case, it is our choice in life to choose between life and death. And if I'd have kept reading in Deuteronomy, the very next part that I was getting to there is the choice between life and death. And I've got a whole Bible study already podcasted on that. So please go back and listen to it. It's a good one. It shows you how we have that power in our life and we can make that choice. But today we're talking about since we've already made the choice to live for God and we've already made the choice to follow his commands, we're going to see the promises that are coming from that. So let's continue to Job chapter 27, verse 16. Evil people may have piles of money and may store away mounds of clothing, but the righteous will wear that clothing and the innocent will divide the money. So if you're wondering if we're doing good and we're living for God, where are we going to get all this money? Where's God? Is he just going to make it appear? No, we're going to get it from the wicked because God's going to curse the wicked and bless the righteous according to this word. Just like Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. That sounds like a vacation. He's the one that gives us a vacation. He renews my strength and guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. 
you prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. So goodness and mercy, unfailing love, pursue a believer. It's not even that I got to look and make sure that I'm taking care of in my life. All I got to worry about is obeying God and living a good life. And he will bless my life to the point where I don't even got to think about it. But I won't need anything because he takes care of all of my needs. And it seems like the devil comes along and tries to trick us. He just did it to me this past week. He tried to trick me. He was trying to convince me Christmas is coming up. Times is getting tough. And how's this going to work? And should you really still be giving all this money to the church? And I told my wife, I said, I will not shake in my faith. Every time the devil tries to make me worried, I'm not going to let him win. My faith will stand strong. And I went to work and got talked to by the owner of the company about a big promotion. So that shows you how good our God is. If we continue to believe this and we live a life that honors him, I believe his word is true and he will bless us in ways that we'll never be able to believe. We'll live a good, prosperous life full of clothes, money, houses, all the things that, the, that Christians have told us for years is wrong. It's not. God wants his children happy. But we've got to please him. And that's that's the first things first. So I've covered that. So today we're going to go forward and keep talking about the blessings. Let's go to Psalms 37. Starting in verse 16. It is better to be godly and have little than to be evil and rich. For the strength of the wicked will be shattered. But the Lord takes care of the godly. Day by day the Lord takes care of the innocent, and they will receive an inheritance that lasts forever. They will not be disgraced in hard times. Even in famine they will have more than enough. But the wicked will die. The Lord's enemies are like flowers in the field. They will disappear like smoke. Hallelujah. God takes care of us day by day. That's why we don't have to build up riches. He takes care of us day by day. Matter of fact, if God does give you too much to where you've got a pile of money, you should give it to the poor because he will give you more. There's no reason to pile up money and have to worry because God takes care of the innocent. Now, before we move out of the book of Psalms, there's one more Psalms I want to read that I love. It inspires me. Psalms 103. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Hallelujah. I never want to forget all the good he's done for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercy. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So we know who he is. 
The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the highest of heaven above the earth. So his love is as great as heaven is over earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. That's why we call him our heavenly father. He looks at us like a father looks at children. Not just a terrible father on earth. I mean a loving, good father. For he knows how weak we are, and he remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been there. But the love of the Lord remains forever for those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children and to those who are faithful to his covenant and to those who obey his commandments. The Lord has made the heavens his throne. From there he rules over everything. Praise the Lord, you angels, you mighty ones who carry out his plans. Listen for each of his commands. Yes, praise the Lord, you armies of angels who serve him and do his will. Praise the Lord, everything he has created, everything in all his kingdom, let all that I am praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let everything praise God for how great he truly is. We prosper because of God. Everything good I've ever had in my life has come from God. That's the truth in my life. Well, let's see what the book of wisdom has to say about it. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns with grains and your vats will overflow with good wine. So he's talking about honoring God with your wages. Of course, paying your tithes is a way to get these promises in your life. We're going to get into that. But let's go continue through Proverbs chapter 10, 22. The blessings of the Lord makes a person rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Verse 23, Doing wrong is fun for a fool, but living wisely brings pleasure to the sensible. So he adds no sorrow to the riches that he gives us. Chapter 13, 21, Trouble chases sinners, while blessings reward the righteous. Good people leave an inheritance to their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the godly. That's verse 22. So here we see that trouble chases sinners and that blessings reward the righteous. And that if you're righteous, you should have enough money to reward your children's children. All the way down to your grandchildren because you've lived a good holy life. And the final one from Proverbs is chapter 28, verse 8. Income from charging high interest rates will end up in the pocket of someone who is kind to the poor. Because God's commandments, one of those commandments, is to give to the poor. That is a way of showing love to God. 
So by giving to the poor, the interest from high interest rates, the money from that income will end up in your pocket if you give to the poor. That's a very big promise. So we should definitely be giving to the needy in any, any way that we can in our lives. Find a good institution that you can plant your seed in that you know is going to feed the hungry and help the homeless because those are things that God's word promises that he will bless. All right, let's go to the book of Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God that teacheth thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way that thou shalt goest. In case you can't tell, I read that in the King James Version. <laughs> but it says there that it is the Lord that teacheth us to prosper. So he is the one that gives us the ideas on how to prosper in life. So by following his commands and listening to his voice, that's how he will show us how we can profit in our life. Because people say, well, if I believe all this and I follow God's word, well, how's that going to help me make more money? Well, this is how. God will give you ideas that will lead you down the path to profit. That's how he is going to bless your life, by the wisdom he puts in your, in your life and in your mind. But we've got to make sure that we're continuing in the commandments that we've been given by God. So let's go to Malachi chapter 3, because here's a commandment that a lot of people are teaching today, but we don't have to worry about no more. But I've proven in my own life is definitely a blessing from God. So we're going to start in verse 6. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Wow. So everybody preaching this is Old Testament, and God's different now. He starts that off very confidently. I am the Lord, and I do not change. That is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, you have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But you ask, how can we return when we have never gone away? Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me? But you ask, what do you mean? When did we cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into my storehouse, so there will be enough food from my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. So there it is in black and white. Oh, well, we're in the New Testament now. We don't have to go by the Old Testament. Yeah, well, the promise is still there. That if you bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do so, I will open the windows of heaven for you. And I will pour out blessings so great you won't have enough room to take it in try it 
put me to the test. <laughs> so he says it very clearly there. So, yeah, you don't have to tithe. Okay, God's grace is so good that he'll cover that. You're right. But you still won't have the windows of heaven opened up and dumped into your life. So just because you don't have to tithe, you never had to tithe. We, had, we do have grace. Back then, they actually were cursed. So, yeah, we don't have to tithe. We don't have to get the blessing. But the Bible clearly says there is a blessing for tithing and offering. And my life is a prime example of that. The only weeks I have a hard time are the weeks I forgot to pay my tithes. So the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is we don't get punished as harsh. But the blessings never went away. So let's look at some more of the blessings in the New Testament. Let's start in the book of the Gospel of Matthew. Starting in chapter 6 at verse 19, Jesus is going to tell us what he thinks about money and possessions. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroy them and where thieves break in to steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will also be. The eye is a lamp that provides light to your body, and when the eye is good, the whole body is filled with light. But when the eye is bad, the whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light that you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And people love to quote that scripture, you cannot serve God and money. But in the old language, and in the King James Version, it says mammon, which was the God of storing up wealth. So God clearly is talking about storing up your money because you're putting your faith in the money that you've stored up instead of in the riches that God's dumped into your life. That's the difference in the light in your eye. If you understand that your riches come from God, not in the pile that you've put on earth, then God can continue to dump those blessings in your life. But you can't serve the God who tells you to store up money and have faith in it. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whatever you have, enough food or drink, or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant and harvest or store food in barns. Your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? So God takes care of the birds. So how much more valuable are we? Well, we're so much valuable that God actually gives us enough food for several days. We don't have to get daily by daily. That's how much more valuable we are to God that He actually stores up our grain for us so we have an abundant supply but it still all comes from God and why worry about your clothing look at the lilies of the field and how they grow they don't work or make their clothing yet Solomon the richest man on earth Solomon had more money than anyone and all his glory was not dressed as beautiful as they are and if God cares so wonderfully for the wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So God's not saying that you shouldn't have clothes. 
He didn't say, don't worry about your clothes. Just wear old, holy clothes. It's, it's fine. No, he's saying you're going to have good clothes because I care about you more than I care about the wildflowers. So I'm going to make sure that you have beautiful clothes and more money than you need. I will take care of you if you are my people. So don't worry about these things. What will I eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So we're not to worry about how things are going to work out. God takes care of us. All we have to do is live a righteous life and put his kingdom first. And we don't have to dominate our minds like the unbelievers with how we're going to pay our bills and how we're going to have money. We're just going to focus on worrying about God and living a, a life that brings him glory. And he'll add all these other things to us. Now let's continue in chapter 7, starting in verse 7. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. And if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask them? So, now I know some people, I was talking to a guy the other day, it broke my heart, he was telling me about his father and how him and his dad never had a good relationship and it really broke my heart, but I don't think this passage is referring to fathers who were terrible. He's talking about the best earthly fathers, the guys who walk around with the best dad in the universe shirt. <laughs> He's talking about those dads, and I don't know if I'm the best dad, but I'm a good dad. I love my boys with my whole heart, and nothing brings me more joy than making my kids happy. My wife will get mad at me sometimes, like, why are you giving the kid ice cream at 9 o'clock at night? Because I love it when I see him happy. And if me, being a sinful person, will give my kid things that are not even that good for him just to make him happy, how much more does our Heavenly Father love us? The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he loved us so much that he died for us so even sinners God loves and wants to see them prosper that's why the Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust God loves sinners and he loves those who live a righteous life it's only fair that he made promises in his word that if you live by them you are blessed more than those who are unbelievers because we, we have the Gospels here to teach us how to live a life that actually gets us more blessings than a sinner receives. Because God loves everybody, but he loves those who obey his word.
and he blesses them more than he blesses someone who doesn't obey his word. Now let's go to another portion of the Bible that people love to quote when they're talking about how we should all be poor. Mark chapter 10, as Jesus started out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. So that's a pretty big statement right there in itself. Only God is truly good. When we talk about good father and being a good great dad, only God is truly good. Even Jesus said that. And if Jesus says that he's not good enough, that only God is good, I definitely know that God is the only thing that is really good on this earth. But to answer your question, he continues, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone and honor your mother and father. That's the list that Jesus gave them. Must be pretty important. But remember, love God and love your neighbor covers all the laws and all the commandments. But that's a good list there. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal. Don't testify falsely. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come and follow me. At that time, the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, Dear children, it is hard, very hard, to enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. And Jesus looked at them intensely and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you. So here, Peter's telling him, we did what you just asked that rich man to do. He's like, we, we did it. We gave up everything. And yes, Jesus replied. So Jesus didn't say, no, no, Peter, you didn't do. He said, yeah, you did give it all up. And I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brother, sister, mother, children, and property along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then. And those who are least important now will be the greatest then. So, according to what Jesus just said, that rich man that walked away sad, if he would have given up everything like Jesus told him, it wasn't a trick. Jesus didn't want this guy to be poor. He wasn't trying to just get this guy to have a terrible life and give everything to the church and go live in a gutter somewhere until he dies. God says right here, you will receive then in return a hundred times as much. What God was telling this guy is 
he noticed that he still was holding on to all that wealth as his as his faith or as his security and God was telling him give that security away and you'll see that everything comes from God that I will if you give away everything you have I will give you back 10 times as much as you already had so he wasn't telling the guy to walk away poor he was saying once you get it in your mindset that you don't need to pile up riches you'll start giving everything you have to the poor and God will be owed to use and God is a debtor to no man so if you give he owes you what you've given so the rich man would have been smart if he would have given everything he had and turned and followed God and that's what we're wanting to do here on this earth today I want to give what I can so that God will continue to bless my life because he's been doing a great job of giving everything back to me that I've tried to give to his kingdom. And let's go to John chapter 12, starting in verse 1. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But anyone who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pasture. The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. But I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father. So I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too, and they are not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me because I sacrifice my life so that I may take it up back again. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily, for I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also to take it up again. For this is what my father has commanded. Hallelujah. So he says here that the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. But my purpose is to give a rich and satisfying life. Jesus is the good shepherd. And a good shepherd provided every need for the sheep. He fed the sheep. He took care of the sheep. 
he cut their wool, he kept them clean. He did everything to make sure that the sheep had a happy and full life. And that's exactly what God does for us in our life. He's not an abstract God who isn't dealing with our day-to-day life. He is a very hands-on God. He wants to know what we're doing and how he can make our lives better. Now the thief, on the other hand, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. And if you look at sin in this life, that is exactly what it does. It steals, it kills, and it destroys you. Everything that's not from God will steal your money, take away your health, it will kill you and destroy your chance of having an eternity with God. God, on the other hand, is the exact opposite. He wants to give you a life and a life more abundant, just like we're talking about here. Now let's go to Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. What shall we say then about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who could ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Everything else that we could desire. Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he is sitting in a place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted, or hungry, or desolate, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So that is how much our God loves us. He wants to see us happy and prosper. He wants us to have a good life. He wants us to live for an eternity and be happy in heaven for an eternity with him. And we can start that relationship here on earth. We can start a relationship that we prosper by living a godly life and having God in our life. Now let's flip forward a little bit to Romans Chapter 13, starting in verse 8. Owe nothing to anyone. Wow. Do not be a debtor. We're called in the commandment that we are not going to be in debt. We're going to actually loan to other people. So this is not a hard requirement. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. So, again, 
owe nothing to no one. We should not be borrowing money from people. We should be expecting God to provide. You know, if we have a need and we're praying about a need, we run out and get a credit card and charge it on the credit card. We're not really giving God an opportunity to supply that need. Owe nothing to anyone except for your love. Now back to the scriptures. If you love your neighbor, you will fulfill the requirements of God's law. So he's telling you again here, this, these are the laws that we should be fulfilling in order to receive the blessing. For the commandments say you must not commit adultery, you must not murder, you must not steal, you must not covet. These and other such commandments are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. This is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up, for your salvation is nearer now than when we first believe. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity or in immoral living or in quarreling or in jealousy. Instead, close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourselves think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Wow. So the law is summed up in loving your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you're fulfilling the requirements to receive these blessings that I've been reading about. The blessings of clothing and money and property and possessions because God is going to bless those who live a godly life. And love is the key to it all. Love your enemies. Love your neighbors. Love the poor. Love the weak. Love them like God loves them so God can bless you. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Ministry of giving, wow. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speaking speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. I'm not commanding you to do this. So it's not a commandment. He says here, I'm not commanding you. But I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Wow, so God does want to make you rich. That's why he became poor. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you have started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning match now by the, your giving. 
give in portion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others while hard for yourself. So God doesn't want you to have a hard life here. That's what he's telling you. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you're in need. So here God's plainly saying he wants believers to have enough. He doesn't want us to live a life where we're begging and we're poor and we're broken. That's not what God's calling us to be. He doesn't think we should have more than enough. We shouldn't have extra in our when other people around us are in need. We should be helping people around us out. But we should have enough to where when we find people in need, we can help them out. If you're living poor, there's no way you can do what the Bible's asking you to do by giving to the needy and helping the poor. He wants us to live good life so he can bless us and keep us rich so we can bless and love the people around us. Now let's read some more about that in Philippians chapter 4. Because a lot of people say, well, what about Paul? Paul was miserable and he was in prison and he was beaten and he didn't have anything. Well, let's hear what he has to say here in verse 18. At the moment, I have all I need and more. Not just all I need, but and more. He had plenty. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Ephroditus. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. And this same God who takes care of me will supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now all glory to God our Father forever and ever. Amen. So we're supplied by God. By Jesus is going to give us everything that we need. He supplies us from his glorious riches. Now let's go to 1 Timothy chapter 6. And we're going to start about halfway through verse number 2. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of our Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quabble over meanings of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment in itself is great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us, and we came into this world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. For people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and 
pierce themselves with many sorrows. So, having a love for money is a dangerous thing, but having money isn't necessarily what's dangerous. But you, Timothy, are a true man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and godly living, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Jesus Christ, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. For at just the right time, Jesus will be revealed from heaven by the blessing and holy almighty God, the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords, he alone can never die, and he lives in light so brilliant that no human can ever approach him. No human eye has ever seen him, nor ever will. All honor and power to him forever. Amen. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their own money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Wow. So he's not, he didn't say tell the rich people to get out of the church. They're not allowed to serve God. That they're not going to be accepted into the kingdom of heaven. They're rich, so they just got to go to hell. He said no. He said tell the rich people not to trust in their money, but to trust in God, because it's God who gives us money for our own enjoyment because God actually wants us to enjoy our lives. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing the, this, they will be storing up treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. Wow. So he didn't tell them to get rid of their money. He said, actually use that money to do good things because God will bless people and make them rich if they live according to his word. We just got to be careful that when he blesses us, we don't turn around and start trusting in that instead of trusting in God. God is the one that we should be trusting in. So Timothy, guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid godless, foolish discussion with those who oppress you with their so-called knowledge. Wow. So don't let church believers tell you you have to be poor. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. Wow. So let's not let people trick us by convincing us that God doesn't actually want us to be happy. He actually wants us to live a poor, terrible life. God wants us to prosper that's why he gave us his word and that's why he made promises in his word that he would take care of us if we live a good and godly life so if you're living by the word of god and you're loving god and you're loving your neighbor then god is going to bless you 
with a life more abundantly. So we're going to wrap it up there today. And I am so happy to teach something to you that I not just have heard and I've been taught, but this is actually something that I believe from the bottom of my heart. Everything I've been given in my life has come straight from the hand of God. I just did a Bible study on the testimony of my life. I'm going to be releasing that soon if I haven't already. If I, I might actually post it before this one <laughs> since they are pre-recorded. But I hope that you can see that throughout this Bible lesson that God does want to bless your life. He wants you to live a good, prosperous life. He doesn't want you worrying about where your next, next paycheck is going to come from. He doesn't want you worrying about how you're going to pay your bills. He wants you to live a godly life so that he can bless you so much that your bills are paid and you're ready to share with those in need. And you're ready to look for people who are poor that you can bless because that's how we as believers are commanded to live in the Bible. So let's pray today and thank God for all these blessings that he's put in our life. Let's bow our head and let's close our eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, we've come to you today, God, and we've spent time with you in your word. And we appreciate, God, that you've given us this opportunity, Lord, to be in your presence, God, to feel your spirit sweep over us as we read through your word, God, and to learn how to live a life, God, that pleases you because it allows you to bless us and for you to get a blessing out of seeing how happy we get to live our lives, God. I worship you, God, and I thank you so much for being a loving father, for showing me every day how much you love me, God. I have no choice but to love you in return because you are so good. You've given us everything we need, God. You provide our food. You give us clothing. You've put a roof over our head. You've made this life a good life, God, and I honor you with what I do in it. May my life be a sacrifice of praise and worship before you, God. I thank you for everything you've done in my life. I thank you for what you're doing in the people's lives around me and everyone who listens to this podcast, God, that you would do a supernatural blessing of prosperity in every life that this podcast reach. Lord, that your magnificent power would be displayed in a great way, that they would know that you love them and that you'll always be there with them. We praise and thank you for everything that you do, God. I worship you and love you. And in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And thanks, everybody, for joining me again. I really, I really hope this has blessed your soul. I know it has mine. I love reading these promises. I, I love knowing how much God really loves you. And I want you to know that today. So remember, God loves you just the way you are. And he can't wait to bless your life and make you happy. So with that, I'll leave you in his hands. And until next time, God bless you.